0: Amen. Thank you, Tyler. Well, good morning, church. It's good to be with you. My name is Tyler, and I think Doug planned that on purpose. It's kind of fun, but we got the Tyler duos up here. Um, but yeah, it's good to be with you guys. I have the privilege of being on staff here full time as our city group director, and I love to get to be able to serve you and Jesus' church. By the way, we want to give a shout out to you moms. Happy Mother's Day. You're awesome. We're grateful for you. I'm thankful my mom birthed me. Uh, she raised me, and she stuck in there through all the ups and the downs, okay? So your moms are awesome. Me and my wife, we have five kids, nine and under. So if you can imagine, it's pretty fun. Um, Jim Gaffigan, he's a comedian who has five kids as well, and he was asked, what's it like having five kids? And he said, well, imagine you're drowning. Somebody hands you a baby. <laughs> It pretty much summarizes what it's like at the Mass House. My wife, Samantha, is practically a saint. Um, Grateful for her. All All you moms matter. But I know, moms, that it can't just be duty driving you, right? To love these little ones, get up with them in the middle of the night, to keep serving them, to keep pouring out, to keep being Jesus to them. It can't just be duty driving you, right? That would burn up sooner or later. But it has to be like this deep love and this conviction that this little child is in my care, and I have to see to it that they are raised and loved and nourished and taken care of and so on and so forth. Friends, that is a direct fingerprint of God's love towards us. Uh, his love is all over. If we look close, uh, we could see it clearly. I think, moms, you display that miraculously. So, moms, uh, thankful for you. And this morning, and in First John chapter 4, like Tyler read, John is continuing to shoot straight with us, teaching us a compelling, solid, theological argument on love. It said love is what makes the world go around. And in chapter 4, John is on a roll. Uh, In this chapter alone, the word love is mentioned 23 times. So if you're studying your Bibles, if you notice repetition, that's a good sign that the author is trying to communicate something to us, right? In the book as a whole, love is mentioned 50 times. And in these 14 verses that we're looking at this morning, Love is mentioned 12 of those 14 verses, in 12 of those 14 verses. So John clearly has a response for Tina Turner's 1984 epic epic mega hit. What does love got to do with it? Well, Tina, good question, right? John's definition of love is a logical but also a spiritual transformational love. And friends, I think if we press in, we can see how love not only changed John's story, but it can change our story as well. John is convinced that a life touched by God's love will affect us in all the right ways. It will change the way that we talk to or about people. It will change the way that we react, right, or we act towards people. It'll change the way that we see God and the way that we see others. Love will change everything. There's a lot of love in this chapter. And so for you who are taking notes and uh, for the sake of me following along with my notes, here's where I'm going this morning. God is love and lives in us so that we can love others. God is love and lives in us so that we can love others. Maybe you're like me asking, what is love, right? What an interesting word. I feel, I feel love towards my kids. We feel love towards our kids, our nieces, our nephews, especially when the cute little turkeys can't talk back yet, right? Am I the only one? Pet parents, you feel it for those uh, cute little fuzzy fur babies, right? Uh, girlfriends, boyfriends, you express your love for one another. I love pizza and I love my mom, right? What an interesting word. Uh, do you fall in love? Like, can you be love struck? Is it an intense feeling or emotion that wells up in you? The world says to love is to make love, they keep a PG. It's a word that seems to mean a wide variety of things. Would you agree? Friends, John is pointing us to love, God himself. God is love. Tyler read it for us just a moment ago, but I want to draw your attention back to verse eight one more time. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. But once love becomes something that it's not, we are left hurting, disappointed, frustrated, and confused. God is love. How does that work? Well, I think John Piper, he puts it pretty well. He says, love is from God the way that heat is from fire or the way that light is from sun. The sun gives light because it is light and fire gives heat because it is heat. God loves because God is love. Church, that's God. It's his very nature. How do we know? Look to verse 10. In this is love not that we have loved God, but that he loved us, and he sent Jesus, his son, to be the propitiation for our sins. That's a fancy word for just taking our place, our gap, our sin, our unrighteousness, our selfishness. Jesus took all that on himself, and he gives us his life, his love, his righteousness. Propitiation is a beautiful thing. So how do we know that it's his nature? Because God, before we even loved him, sent Jesus to us. Do you see it? That's the gospel, that's the good news, that God loved and gave us what we didn't deserve. When we were at least deserving of love and grace and forgiveness, he moved towards us so that we could experience what it's like to truly be loved and forgive and then love others. I remember a time that I wasn't deserving of love. Uh, Me and my uh, wife, we, we were high school sweethearts. We were together for about three and a half years. So my senior year, I get saved and my world flips upside down. So as proud as I am to say we were high school sweethearts, if you can only imagine, we have a lost boy trying to love a lost girl that just longed to be loved, right? It wasn't pretty um, to say the least, but I'm grateful that Jesus showed up in my story and he started to change my heart. Uh, My world went from this insecure, lost, lonely guy who was just trying to find identity that was mainly wrapped up in sports to reading my Bible and doing life with other men who loved their wives and had these godly marriages. And so I quickly realized I wasn't doing too hot in the Love Samantha Like Jesus department. And thankfully, another guy took note. His name is Willie. You guys might know Willie Roberts. Willie was here as our worship director early on in the life of our church. He's since moved on to City Light Omaha West, where he's still serving as the worship pastor. And I remember Willie observing my behavior towards Sam, moving in into the mess and like calling me out. It was awkward, it was a little painful, it was a little ugly, but I'm grateful that he decided to move in and enter into that mess. You see, I wasn't loving Sam very well at all. I would put her down at times with my words. I would give her the cold treatment, the silent treatment if she did something that I didn't like, right? If I didn't feel like she was giving me enough attention, that I'd make sure that she didn't get any attention. It was ugly. I was not loving her well, and I now see how I was being so, how I was being so unloving. So Willie steps in. And they're like, "We're going to start this this uh, restoration love plan, okay?" And so part of that plan was that we had to be separated for three months. Do you know how long three months feels to a couple teenagers? Like an eternity, right? But something started to happen in my heart as we were separated. I didn't no longer take our time together for granted. In fact, we were only allowed to see each other at church or at church-related events, and I couldn't wait just to hear about her week, how she was doing, what, what's going on in her life. Things in my heart started to change, and uh, it, was, it was a great, it was necessary, it was a necessary project, our process, and Willie moved in, and I'm glad he stepped into the mess. I still remember um, while we were separated, there was this horrible snowstorm. Anybody else thankful that snow was pretty much behind us, Lord willing? So Samantha was staying with my grandparents up uh, in a dead end on a hill, all right? So if you imagine a ton of snow in this plowman, he only has one place to put all that snow. It's at the top of the hill. And that's where her car is, and so she snowed in to say the least. So I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna go love her. So I grab my shovel with a little pride and pep in my step, I go up there and I start shoveling. And I'm shoveling and I'm shoveling and I'm physically exhausted. I'm like, I gotta get done before she comes out and uh, has to head to, to school. Uh, I'm tired. My heart is full of love. I just wanted to love Samantha because I loved her. No strings attached. I wasn't trying to shovel the snow to get something out of her. I wasn't trying to manipulate her. I wasn't faking it. I simply loved her because I loved her. Friends, what I experienced is just a taste, a glimpse, not even close to the love that God has towards us. I experienced God's love for Samantha through me, and I experienced God's love through Willie for me. And it changed my story god is love and god loves us while we were yet sinners he moved towards us he sent jesus to us think about it for a moment god knows everything there is to know about us right the good the bad the ugly the deep secrets we want nobody to know about all the times that we chose ourselves over others like that selfishness god knows it all highs and lows but he doesn't hold it over a head. If you say yes to Jesus, he moves in and he extends his love and grace and forgiveness instead. Uh, God's not like Google that may be storing all kinds of information about you just to sell it to a third party that wants to sell you a bunch of stuff, right? You're not a means for God to get something out of you. He's not trying to use you. He's not trying to manipulate you. Uh, He's not trying to take advantage of you like that boyfriend or girlfriend that only has self-serving motives in mind. No, instead, God just wants to be love because God is love. What does John tell us about God's love? We look with me to verse nine? In this is love. Sorry, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Again, John is pointing to us to love himself. It was made manifested to us in the person Jesus Christ. Friends, I know we talk about this all the time here around City Light, but this is the greatest display of love ever in the picture of human history, right? Do you struggle with God's love? Do you struggle with being loved? Do you struggle with knowing you're loved? Then, friends, can I encourage you to do what John is pointing us to, look to the cross of Jesus Christ. Nothing screams love louder than Jesus being crucified on the cross. God demonstrated his love towards us while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So, what is love? Well, thankfully, the Bible describes it as well. Look at 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. It describes love like this Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Do you see it? God isn't self-seeking, easily angered, keeping record of wrong, just waiting for you to mess up, slip up, or say something wrong again. God is love, and when he should have given up on us and been frustrated towards us, he moved towards us in the person of Jesus Christ instead. He extended patience and kindness. He gave us his one and only son. Instead of holding everything over our head, he extended love instead. The cross, like I said, is the greatest and the loudest and the most clear picture that God is love for all human, all creation to see. And if you need to know God's love, can I encourage you to keep looking to the cross of Jesus. So God is love and is most clearly seen in the person of Jesus. The next thing that John is showing us this morning is God is love and lives in us. So maybe you're shaking your head, thinking I'm not capable of being love or extending love, right? I have too much hurt. I've I've experienced too much pain in my life. How can I be loved to somebody else if I've never been loved myself? Will you look with me to verse 13? Verse 13 says, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. Jump to verse 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Verse seven says the same thing. Over and over and over again, John is telling us, we abide in God and God abides in us because he has given us his spirit. Think about that for a moment. Think about creator God. The Bible says that he's a star breathing God, like created planets, spoke them into existence. He created you, he knows you. The most deep inter parts that are woven together that make you you, God knows, and he did that. Uh, and he wants to abide in us. Isn't that incredible? God of heaven wants to abide and be in us. How? Through the spirit, through his spirit that he's given us. Friends, that's a big deal because the Bible says that the spirit is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance, guaranteeing that we are new creations, guaranteeing that we will be with God in eternity, that we could be with Jesus now and we could be with Jesus forever forever. Um, if you experience that kind of deposit from the Spirit, then you can take heart knowing that you are God's child. The deposit of the Spirit is way better than your deposit on that Xbox at Kmart's way away, right? And you just hope, man, can I come up with the $200 in a couple of weeks to get that Xbox? Like, no, the deposit is a guaranteeing, it's a done deal. The Spirit in us is a big deal, and it matters. And Jesus taught the Spirit of, what the Spirit abiding in us looks like. Jesus in his ministry, he took us to analogy, uh, and he described abiding like a vine. And so you have the vine, you have the main source uh, that's planted in the ground, that's stable, that has the life in itself, and then you have all the branches, right? So God is 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 the main source, the vine, and the branches are the fingers or us, if you will. And if any of those branches don't produce fruit, then God, the farmer would come and trim them back, right? Trim back the dead branches, hoping that new life will take its place instead. Uh, and this can only happen so much, right? And before the plant is dead. And so, if we're connected to the source, which is God, then we're going to produce some stuff in our life, right? There's going to be some evidence that we're connected to the vine, the source of life, God Himself, His Spirit abiding in us. And if you're like me and you're asking, well, what does that look like? Like, how does that analogy transposed to reality, um, I want to introduce you to my friend Davey. Uh, Davey, depending on the day, may or may not be wearing this sweet Indiana Jones looking hat, um, but he always has a smile on his face, notebook and Bible in hand. Davy is a part of our men's group. Uh, we meet every other Saturday um, at hy V over on Madison at 7 a.m. I'm not a morning person, but it's worth getting up to go there. The coffee's not that great, It's only a dollar six on tap, so that works. But what's awesome is just being around the table with these men, right? Just seeing how the spirit is working and moving in them. What it looks like for them to abide. It just encourages us and it challenges us and it spurs us on to wanna spend time with Jesus. You see, Davy, he could have easily not been abiding with God's people, but he took steps to intentionally be in God's community. Uh, He moved uh, last year up here from Rome, Georgia. So he just tells everybody he's from Rome, which is pretty cool. But he took a position up uh, at Iowa Western as the JV uh, base, uh, basketball coach, men's basketball coach. And Davey knows that like, they could go off and they could win some games. They could go off and they could have some, some fun. And even if they won a championship, but Davey hadn't spent time with Jesus, or Davey hadn't been Jesus to his players, he's like, what's a temporal basketball win if we haven't experienced that in our life, right? like his intentional abiding in Jesus. And he even had an opportunity this semester to read a, the Bible with one of his players for the very first time in this guy's life. Like, is that not awesome? Like never read the Bible, didn't know where to start. All those Bible stories we heard growing up in Sunday school that we take for granted, like Davey's reading them with him. And he's like, wow, the Bible is amazing. It's coming alive. I love Davey's story. Davy is marked by intentionality. Davy knows what it looks like to do life with Jesus, uh, what, it, what it, it looks like to abide. And if you're asking what it looks like, then friends, it's as simply as just pursuing Jesus. Abiding looks like intentionally pursuing Jesus, wanting to spend time with him, to be around other believers and do life together. Abiding can change a lot because abiding produces some stuff. What does it produce? I wanna take our, our attention to Galatians 5, 22. The Spirit produces fruit in our life. Uh, Christian, what's the first thing that uh, this fruit produces? Love. Produces love. Makes sense, right? God is love. And if God's Spirit abides in us, we're connected to the source of love himself, then we're going to have some love in our life, right? It produces love. It produces peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This kind of fruit lasts. This kind of fruit might not only change your heart and your environment, but also the most hopeless situations. Once you say yes to Jesus, some stuff changes. We get his spirit, God lives in us, and his spirit reminds us of God's love for us, and then we're free to get to go love others. Abiding in Jesus produces this kind of fruit that changes how we love God and how we love one another. Speaking of loving one another, the third thing I wanna highlight this morning is God is love, and lives in us so that we can love others, so that we can love others. Look at verse 19 with me. We love because he first loved us. Since God's love for us is a changing love, it changes our story, it changes our heart, it changes who we are, uh, then we, get a, we, are, we are free to what? Go love others. Like go, Let's go love on some people, right? Like we've generously been loved on, we've been lavished with the love of God in our life. He moved towards us while we were least deserving of it. So now we're, we're freed up to go love and move towards others, even if they're not deserving of it. We get to love some people. When we place our faith in Jesus, we not only receive the gift of eternal life, we get the spirit and we get to go follow Jesus with his new family, the family of God. And, and this, friends, is a massive impact on our testimony for a watching world. Like, it will change some stories. Jesus said that uh, your love for one another will show the world that you are my disciple. Think about that for a moment. Who's somebody in your story, in your life? Maybe it's a family member, a friend, a coworker, a neighbor, wherever you, you live, work, and play. Who's somebody in your life that you wonder, do they know Jesus? Well, Jesus said, they will know who I am. By your love, one for another. This kind of love should be uh, affectious. This kind of love should change some stories, right? This love should spin some heads. But if we're honest, it's not always easy to love others, is it? If we're honest, there's times that uh, we get annoyed or easily irritated, kind of like I was with Samantha, and we quickly forget that we are called to love others. And the Bible even says uh, that if we don't love, then God isn't in us. Why? Because God is love. And John, he's a testimony. His story is a testimony to the changing love of God in, a, in somebody's life. If you don't know John's story, I kind of want to introduce it to you this morning. Uh, it starts in Mark 3. Uh, John, Jesus is calling his disciples to himself. So Jesus calls Peter, Jesus calls James, and Jesus calls John. And he gives James and John the nickname Sons of Thunder, right? And they, they weren't on an audition for, you know, Thor, Magnarok or anything like that, like this was before Thor, and Thor, he's not, he's a fictional character. John's a real character. But why did they get this nickname? we well, will have to take you to uh, Luke so you can see his story. Luke 9, 54. And when the disciples, when the disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Are you serious? Come on. Like, literally want to consume people with some fire? Why? Because they were just rubbing Jesus and John the wrong way. Like, it wasn't even a big deal. Jesus and John were traveling over to Jerusalem, and they had to go through Samaria first. And Samaria was a town of Gentiles that did not like the Jews, and the Jews didn't get along with the Gentiles. They had some prejudices, and they were like, nope, you can't stay here. We don't want Jews here. And John's like, well, let's just burn them up, Jesus. Call down fire. Come on, rain down fire, Jesus. You can do it. Can you imagine the dialogue? Like, John, how am I going to save anyone if you want to burn them up the minute they rub you the wrong way? You're like... We're here to love people, John. Have you not noticed what we're about here? Uh, But the truth is, like I said, if we're not careful, it's easier for us to call down fire on those people that rub us the wrong way, right? Maybe maybe calling down fire sounds a little bit extreme, but it could sound like, I can't believe those people, right? I can't believe what so-and-so did. Right? You with me? Like, we cast those judgments and those prejudices upon people. We're like, can't they just get it together? What's wrong with them, anyways, right? Like, I don't know about you, but I'm, I can easily get frustrated with people. I got to be reminded that God first loved me, so now I'm free to go love some people, right? Um, it also could sound like us just, just hurling accusations on people and tearing them down instead of building them up. And many of us know that it's harder to love people than it is to move towards people. But if we're empowered by the Spirit of God, then we have everything we need to do that, to enter in, and that's gonna change some, sto- some people's stories. Um, friends, the Bible reminds us, John reminds us, verse 20. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. Why? How can he love God whom he has not seen, but love his brother whom he has seen? Friends, Jesus died for his church that we might redeem us, a lost and broken people, to himself. John goes from the sons of thunder in Mark's gospel to the, the, the beloved uh, disciple in his own gospel. He goes from anger and bitterness and this rage to beloved. In writing a book that talks about love almost 50 sometimes. times. Why? Because he encountered God's love for himself. If Jesus can free John's heart to love, then Jesus can do the same for us. God is love and lives in us so that we can love others. Amen? John could, John could love because he first was loved, and Jesus said, your love for one another is going to be the loudest banner displayed to a watching world that you are my disciples, and that should spin some heads, right? Like I said earlier, and one of those stories of uh, miraculous love and generosity towards somebody else uh, happens to be in the story of my friends, Logan and Aubrey Power. Uh, there are Citigroup co-leaders with us, Logan and Aubrey. They've been in a market for a house, and if anybody knows about the housing market right now, it's absolutely insane. It's just intense. Like people are dropping serious coin, like 20, $30,000 over asking price. Like if you have 20 or $30,000 to sit in your pocket and you can just, all right, $20,000, that's, anyways, I don't know what that's like, uh, clearly. Uh, <laughs> and neither does Logan and Aubrey. Um, and so they're like, we don't have a house we're selling, so we don't have a bunch of assets where we can just you know, go in and put in this offer, They've looked and looked, and they've been turned down time and time again. But somebody in the church and the family of God caught wind of this, and they're like, well, we're thinking about moving out. We could do it sooner than later. And so they call up Logan and Aubrey, and they're like, hey, you want to come look at our house? We're not sure if it's going to be a great fit, uh, but we would just like for you guys to come look at it. So Logan and Aubrey walk through the house, and they're like looking at each other like, this is way more than we've looked at and we're able to get in any other house. Like, what do you mean this ain't going to be enough? They're just like perplexed, Right. And so they're like, well, we're thinking about selling it. The homeowners are like, we're thinking about selling it for this price. And Logan and Aubrey are like, well, we're only approved for this much. And so they're like, okay, well, let us pray about it. I think they prayed about it for a day. And then they called Logan and Aubrey back and they're like, hey, we wanna bless you. We wanna give you the home. We want you to move in. We'll take a, we could take a loss if that means there's gonna be a gospel presence still here in this neighborhood and we're willing to sacrifice tens of, tens of thousands of dollars. I don't know about you, but that's love, Amen. That's some, that's, a, that's some mighty love that will change a watching world, that will change people's lives and people's stories. Uh, it doesn't make any sense, right? Not only are they giving them the house at like a smoking deal, they're like, okay, we're going to have our friends come and fix it up. So it's even better than us living in it for you. Like, come on. That's the kind of love that will change some people's lives and stories. And friends, we are empowered by the Spirit of God to go and love like that. Can I just encourage you this morning? to to allow God's love to first affect your heart so that you can go and affect some other people's stories and the world will know that we are his disciples for our love one for another. Um, God is love and he is the hero of the story. God loved us while we were unlovable and because of that, we are now able to go love others. Will you pray with me? King Jesus, I'm grateful that there are countless stories of your transforming love in the lives of your people. Uh, God, I'm thankful that you're a real God uh, who's not just a talking God, but an acting God, a doing God. Um, you knew our situation, God. You knew that we were lost in our sin, dead to ourselves, um, and you wanted to move into our story so that we could connect with you, God. And I'm grateful for your, that kind of love that moves towards us. And Lord, I just pray um, for everybody here, whether they're in the room or online, uh, they would experience that kind of love from you in a tangible way. God, you would bring them back to your son, to the story, to the gospel, that we would remind ourselves of that over and over again, that we would never get tired of hearing the gospel, of preaching it over our lives and uh, being it to others who are in our life. Lord, you are love, and your love changes us, and we're grateful for who you are. And we pray, in Jesus' name, that we could be a church that loves some people in a way that gets the world's attention. In Jesus' name. Amen.